0: Good morning, uh, Sugar Creek. It is a joy to worship with you today. If you are watching online, or if you are present at our Richmond Rosenberg Mystery City, or here at Sugarland Campus, we want to welcome you to this service. My name is Ender Palencia, and I have the undeserved privilege of serving this church as the missions pastor. And our lead pastor, Dr. Mark Hartman, is actually taking a much-needed break right now. Uh, he's spending time resting and time with his family. And I want to encourage you to in the next a uh, few weeks, pray for him, ask the Lord to continue to give him strength and to continue to give him wisdom so that he can continue to lead this church as well as he has over the last almost 20 years. So uh, we praise God for our pastor. You know, uh, six years ago, my wife and I went through one of the scariest journeys uh, we've ever gone through. So it started on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, We were at a pool party with some friends just celebrating life when all of a sudden my wife discovered some symptoms in our then two-year-old daughter that required us to take her to the emergency room immediately. And then while we were in the emergency room, doctors began to run uh, tests on her and we went from one room to another doing different tests and, and I could tell the doctors were concerned but they weren't talking to us much until after several hours and way past midnight and after a lot of tests, they finally did. And a doctor came to us and said, I'm afraid your daughter has a cancerous tumor on her right kidney. And I I was shocked, I expected to hear everything but cancer, but he kept talking, he said, this kind of cancer is pretty aggressive and if we don't stop it quickly, it will go to the other kidney and eventually it can go to other organs. We need to act now. And I think at this point he realized how confused and shocked I was because he kind of paused, looked at me and said, sir, your daughter has stage two cancer and we need to do something about it soon and immediately uh, we were filled with this emotion called fear and, and, and ran, questions began to run through our minds and we asked questions and they recommended that they, w- they would do immediately uh, uh, something called a radical nephrectomy, which means they would remove not just the tumor but the kidney with the tumor because it, the tumor was so big and that we would immediately start a five month journey of weekly chemotherapy. And again, when you hear something like that from a doctor, you are immediately consumed by fear and fear wants to take over and you want to either uh, uh, try to fix it or you want to run away from it because the emotions are so strong. Do do you know, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, these fearful situations in life. I, I believe most of us have experienced these fearful situations when maybe for you, you also, like us, heard bad news from a doctor and immediately fear kicked in. Or maybe you heard bad news from your boss. Or maybe somebody that you trusted completely stabbed you in the back and then you had a hard time trusting other people around you. Or or maybe uh, for you, it was the person that you loved most and they walked away from you and now uh, they broke your heart and you're trying to put the pieces together. Or maybe you made a mistake that cost you way more than you ever thought it would, and you're trying to figure out how to move on, how to continue life with that. We live in an imperfect world. And because we live in an imperfect world, we face fearful situations. And see, all of us experience fearful situations. And when we experience fear, most of us either want to fight or we want to flight. That's our natural response. But today, we're gonna learn that even though that tends to be our natural response, there is actually a better way to respond to these fearful situations in our lives. That if we let Him, God can actually use these situations for our good and ultimately for His glory. We're in this sermon series called The Land Between and we're looking at how to react to these situations in our lives that we don't comprehend, we don't know how to live with them. And today we're gonna learn how to face fear. We're gonna do that by looking at a story found in First Kings chapter 19. If you have a Bible, you can go there because we're gonna spend majority of our time there. And uh, 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 Pastor Tim actually mentioned this story last week, but today we're gonna to dive in a little deeper in it and try to dig in the truth that God wants us to learn uh, from it. But before I read the story, I wanna give you a little bit of background so that we can understand it better. In chapter 16 of this same book, uh, the Bible teaches that the king of Israel of this time was a man named Ahab. And the Bible also teaches that Ahab was an evil king, that he actually did more evil things in the eyes of the Lord than any of the other previous kings of Israel combined. So you know that he was a pretty messed up individual. And some of the things that he did was married a woman named Jezebel who came from a foreign country and worshiped foreign gods and uh, uh, they together uh, killed all the prophets of Yahweh, the one true God, and they led the nation to worship a false idol named Baal and another goddess named Asherah. And so God had to confront him and he called the only one prophet that was left, a man named Elijah. And in chapter 17, Elijah goes to him on behalf of God and says, listen, if you don't repent, we're not gonna have any rain, and it's gonna be hard to live in a land without rain. But they hardened their hearts, and they didn't repent, and they continued in their ways, and for three years, they didn't have any rains. Then three years later, God called Elijah and says, I need you to confront him again. I'm about to show them that I am the one true God. And so they all go to the top of the Mount of God and uh, King Ahab and all the prophets of this false God, about 850 prophets and the people of God are there and they're trying to figure out who is the one true God. And the deal was that uh, they were both, both sides were gonna kill a bull, place it on an altar and the one true God would consume that bull with fire. And the prophets of Baal went first and they killed the bull, placed it on the altar, and they prayed to their God, and they sang to their God for several hours, and nothing happened. And then it was Elijah's turn, and he killed the bull, placed it on the altar, and they poured water on this altar, not one time, not twice, but three times. And Elijah prayed only once, And immediately fire consumed the bull and consumed the altar, proving that Yahweh is the one true God. And the people of Israel bowed before God and they realized they had been worshiping a false god and they were so frustrated that they actually chased all these prophets, these false prophets, and they killed them with a sword led by Elijah. And so that is the context of what we are going to read today. And we're gonna start just kind of setting the scene, looking at verses one and two in First Kings 19. It says this, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. So after that confrontation between Elijah and Ahab and the prophets, the king Ahab goes back home with his tail between his legs to tell his wife what had happened and how Elijah had killed all these prophets. And instead of them repenting and realizing, yeah, Yahweh is the one true God, they actually got even angrier and they decided to take revenge on Elijah. And Jezebel, this queen, this woman sends a messenger to Elijah saying, if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow, may the gods kill me. In other words, she was saying, I'm gonna use all my power and everything that I have available to me as the queen of this nation to make sure that I kill you by tomorrow. And just like that, Elijah went from this moment in the mountain which he saw God do incredible things and then killing all those false prophets to now his life being threatened by the queen herself. Now, he was a man of God. And you would think that he would respond to this situation as a man of God. but I want you to see how he responded to it. In verses three and four it says this. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat sat under a broom tree and he asked that he might die saying, "'It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, "'for I am no better than my fathers.'" See, when he heard word that the queen wanted to kill him, he freaked out. He was afraid, he said, he was so afraid that he just took off running, and he ran and ran and ran, and he got to a point that the servant stopped. He said, basically, he said, I'm tired, I'm done, and he kept going, running into the wilderness another day into the middle of nowhere when he finally found a tree. And under this tree, under this shaded area, then he had a meltdown, a complete meltdown. You can see how afraid he is by, by, by what he says to God. He says, God, I'm done. And not just I'm done, I don't wanna be a prophet anymore. He says, I'm done living. Go ahead and take my life, take it now. This is what fear does to us. See how irrational his thought process is. He's saying, God, I'm so afraid of Jezebel killing me that I want to die. You see the uh, irrationality. You see how crazy his thought process is. But that's what fear does to us. He was consumed by fear. And we can judge Elijah and saying that he didn't respond to it the right way, or we can be honest and humble and recognize that we too, when we go through fearful situations, freak out and we too get scared and fear tries to take over. I know that that's true for me. Now when I go through these difficult situations that we face in this life, I get scared and I try to control it or run away from it. I know when that doctor looked at me and said, sir, your daughter had cancer, I didn't immediately say hallelujah, the Lord is good and His mercies endureth forever. I didn't, I freaked out. I got scared, I had questions, I cried, I doubted God, and for several weeks I went, God, why is this happening? And I know I'm not the only one in this campus or at any of our campuses or watching online who when facing difficult situations responds that way. When we hear the bad news from the doctors, when we hear the bad news from our boss, when that person stabs us in the back when that other person walks away from us, when people gossip about us on social media, when the bank account doesn't look the way we want it to look, when politics don't go our way, we freak out, we get scared. And we want to either fix it immediately or run away from it, because we don't like what we're feeling. But today, we're going to learn learn that the best way to respond to fear is neither fight or flight, but rather with faith. That was the journey that Elijah was on. He was about to learn that very important lesson. An, an important lesson that we need to learn. That, that we don't like to f- go through the emotions of what comes with, f- with the fearful situations that we face, but that God can actually use those to mold us and to shape us and help us become who he created us to be we're going to learn that God is still present even in the most fearful situation and that he can use those moments to help us become who he created us to be. When you continue reading the story of Elijah, you see that there were at least three things that happened in his life that God used so that he could help Elijah be who he needed to be. And if we let him, those things can happen in our lives as well. And the first thing that Elijah learned is that even in the middle of his fearful circumstance, God was present. And because God was present, he had everything that he needed. And the same can be true for us. When fear kicks in, God reminds us that he is all we need. We need to learn that that if we're going through the worst circumstances and we don't have what we want to have or we don't have anything, but we have God, then we have everything that we need for it. Look at how God showed up in Elijah's life in verses five through eight, it says this. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. See, you you see here that even though Elijah was in the middle of nowhere with nothing around him, God was there. And because God was there, he had everything that he needed. The first thing that God provided for Elijah was a much needed nap, a time of rest. When we go through these fearful situations, we get tired emotionally, physically, spiritually. It's exhausting, it can wear us out. And this was probably true for Elijah. He had gone through this high moment in which he had seen God show that he's the almighty God and, and not only that, but kill all those false prophets. And then he went through the news that the queen wanted to kill him and now he's running for his life. He's afraid, he doesn't know where to go. He was exhausted. That's why he had a meltdown. But he found a place where he could have his meltdown safely and secure. And not only that, but immediately after that, fell asleep and rested. See, uh, we have three children, my wife and I, and, and our children are still young and sometimes they're tired, they're restless and you can tell they, they need a nap or they need to go to sleep. And, and if you ask them, they think, no, no, I'm hungry or I want this or I want that, but we know that what they need is sleep. So we make a way for them to go to sleep. They, they, they put them in bed and we say, well, you need to rest. When they were younger and they were babies and they would get like this fussy and tired then we would hold them close to our chest and after a little while, a while of them fighting and fuzziness and, and crying and breathing really hard, and they began to calm down and you could feel it right here on your chest. You could feel how they were calming down till they finally went to sleep and rested. And then they would wake up after that nap in a much better mood. Why? Because they had found a place of refuge. And that's what Elijah found in that tree. God was there and he gave him rest. Fearful situations remind us that God is our refuge. That in the middle of an imperfect world with imperfect circumstances that are difficult, that scare us, that wear us out, we can rest in the one true God. But Elijah also found that God is his provider. And fearful situations are a reminder to us that God is our provider. I love the way that God provided for Elijah. An angel woke him up from his nap and said, hey, get up and eat. And he looked and behold, there is a brick oven baked cake right in front of him, warm and fresh and ready for him to eat with a jar full of water so that he could have the sustenance that he needed in that particular moment. In the middle of nowhere, God baked him a cake and gave him some water. Because that's what God does. He's our provider. He is present, and He gives us what we need. And again, physically, but also emotionally and spiritually, if we learn how to depend on Him and rely on Him instead of depending on our own abilities and in our own strengths. When uh, my wife and I went through that journey with my daughter, those five months of chemotherapy, we were tired, we were exhausted, because uh, every Friday we had to go through this eight to 10 hour long days that were very painful emotionally speaking and just going through scans and blood work and seeing a doctor and then going to the infusion room and get that chemo for several hours. And my wife was pregnant with our second child at the time and I'm trying to lead a campus of a church and preaching in English and Spanish every week. And and then on top of that, we had to make changes to how we did life because our daughter's immune system was weak because of all these chemo so we couldn't be around people. And then on top of that, my daughter couldn't eat anything because nothing tasted right because of all the chemicals in her body and we were finding her hair everywhere and, and and so it was just emotionally exhausting I remember those first few Fridays I would come home frustrated mad upset asking God why is this happening But then after a, a moment a season I began to realize that God was present and providing for us and giving us what we needed when we needed it And one of those ways that God showed that he was with us, every every Friday we would come home after this exhausting day at the hospital and there would be in our front porch a warm meal that one of our church members had prepared for us. Just they decided to love us in the middle of it and that was a glimpse that God was present and because he was present, he was everything that we needed. And that gave us the strength to keep going in the journey and that's exactly what happened in Elijah's life. God also gave him the strength to continue the journey. Notice, he didn't remove him from the journey, he gave him the strength that he needed to continue the journey. And fearful situations remind us that God is the source of our strength. He says that this angel woke him up a second time and said, hey, get up and eat again. And he says this because the journey is too great for you. In other words, you're gonna continue this journey and it's gonna be difficult and on your own, in your own power, in your own abilities, in your own strengths, you're not going to be able to do it. But guess what? God is going to give you what you need every step of the journey. And he says that he get up, got up and ate and with the strength of that food, he went 40 days and 40 nights until the next step in the journey to the mountain of God. See, God gives us what we need exactly when we need need it. And he gives us the strength to continue this journey in this painful life that we live in. He is present. And again, if we let him, he can use those circumstances for our good and ultimately for his glory. In this journey, Elijah learned, he realized that he had God and because he had God, he had everything that we needed, that he needed. The same is true for us. King David also had this realization. Look at what he says in the middle of a fearful situation. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David also knew that if God was present, he had everything that he needed. And that is something that you can bank on. It might be difficult, but God is present. And if he is there, you have everything that you need. See, Elijah also learned that this was a good opportunity for him to know God better. And this is something for us too. When fear kicks in, we have an opportunity to know God better. It's not that he's present only, he is also giving us a chance to get to know his character and who he is better. Look at what happened in Elijah's life, verses nine through 13, it says this. There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand stand on the mountain uh, before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his clock and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? You see, this was an opportunity for Elijah to know his God better, an opportunity for him to, to, to express to God what was happening in his heart, but also an opportunity for him to hear the voice of God in a very unique way. And we can go through this season complaining along the way and trying to fix it ourselves or running away from it and numbing the pain away with social media or binge watching a show or whatever it is or we can take it as an opportunity to get to know our God better. Because here's the deal, fearful situations are an opportunity to express to God what's going on in our hearts. That's what Elijah did. God said, tell me what's happening, Elijah. And Elijah said, I'm scared. They have killed all the prophets and now I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me now. He was able to express to God his fear. Here's what happened. He was able to bring his fear and his anxiety to the one that could do something about it. See, after the meltdown and the journey and seeing God present, he's realizing, okay, God is with me. I can bring my fear to him. And you and I can do the same thing. We can try to fix it ourselves. We can try to numb the pain away, but that's not gonna solve anything. Or we can bring it to the one that can do something about it. And listen, when we do, it's like we're taking this weight off our shoulders and placing it upon him. The apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Philippians uh, uh, under incarceration for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, he was about to be executed for preaching the gospel. And in the middle of that very fearful circumstance, this is what he writes in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Consider the context. He's not writing while sitting on a hammock in an all-inclusive resort in Cancun. He's writing from prison. And yet he says, don't be anxious about anything. What you can do is bring your request to God. And now he doesn't say that God will fix it immediately. He says, God will make sure that you experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. And in the middle of your circumstance, your heart and your mind will be protected. See, fearful situations are an opportunity for us to grow in prayer and learn how to depend on God instead of depending on ourselves. They remind us that we are not as much in control as we think we are. But they also remind us that that's a good thing. Because see, this fearful situation in Elijah's life also gave him an opportunity to hear the voice of God in a unique way. And fearful situations are an opportunity for us to hear God speak to us says that the Lord said to Elijah step out of the cave because I'm about to tell you something incredible. And he did. And it's crazy because there was a wind so strong that it broke broke rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. And there was an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. All these powerful things going on, all these noises happening, but the Lord was not in any of them. And there came the sound of a low whisper. And this is what amazes me. In the middle of all the noise, in the middle of everything that was happening, Elijah was able to distinguish God's voice even though it was a low whisper. Why? Because he had put himself in a position in which he could hear God speak to him. Sometimes we can't hear God speak to us because we have all these noises. And we have our own mind going 100 miles an hour, saying all these things to us. And we have our friends and family telling us how to fix our problem. And then we bought this book that we said, man, this book is the answer right here. If I read this book, everything is gonna be fixed. And we have all these thoughts going through our head and we have no idea which one is the voice of God. And we make time for everything except for God himself. See, Elijah had to, by faith, go on the 40-day journey to the mountain. By faith, step out of the cave and believe that God was gonna speak. He had to, by faith, keep listening after the wind and after the earthquake and after the fire. And he had to, by faith, cover his face because he knew that whisper, that is my God speaking to me. See, God has revealed himself to us in this amazing book called the Bible. And sometimes we have time for everything in the middle of our circumstances except for him. If you're going through it right now, I encourage you to spend time in scripture, God will speak to you. And if you're not, I encourage you to make it a habit to spend time in scripture. Because when the moment comes, because it will come at some point, you will be able to distinguish God's voice among all the other noises that you will hear. This is a good opportunity for us to grow in our relationship with God. And here's the beautiful thing, when we hear God speak, God is going to reveal his plan to us. Because when God spoke to Elijah, God reminded Elijah that he was in control and that he had a plan. And the same can be true for us. When fear kicks in, God reminds us that he is in control and that he has a plan. And I want you to know the fact that we are not in control and that he is, is actually a very good thing. Because Elijah was about to learn that God's plan was better than his own plan. And the same is true for us. Fearful situations remind us that God's plan is better than our plan. What was Elijah's plan, remember? God killed me so that I don't die. What a great plan. How's that working for you? But see, God wasn't done with Elijah. God had a plan with Elijah the whole time. And he said, he heard heard Elijah one more time, he heard him complain and see his problem, and God was able to help him kind of uh, back out a little bit and remind him of the bigger picture and say, hey, I'm in control of this, buddy, I got this. And I got this and I got a plan. And my plan is better than yours. He said, I had to pull you out of there because I needed to reveal to you who the next king over Syria is gonna be and who the next king over Israel is gonna be and because you are the only prophet I have left, then I need you to go back and anoint those two men. Even though Elijah was scared and thought, I'm done, God still had a plan for him and God used him and his plan was way better than Elijah's plan. And I want you to know, you and I can come up with all kinds of solutions to our problem. But if it's not God's solution, it's not going to be the best solution. His plans are always better than ours. But Elijah also learned a very important lesson that we need to learn, is that God's plan also goes beyond us. Fearful situations remind us that God's plan goes beyond us. I don't know if you caught it, but when God told Elijah to anoint those two kings, he also told him to anoint his successor. He said, anoint the two kings, Hazel and Jehu, but also I want you to anoint Elisha to be the next prophet. And this was a good dose of humility for Elijah because he reminded Elijah that God's plan for his people went way before he was born and it would continue to go way after he was around because God's plan is not just better, he is bigger than any of us. And that is something that you and I need to remember. Elijah was so consumed with his problem, what was going on in his life, that he had forgotten that God has a bigger plan. He had completely lost focus on what he was supposed to do, and he was just looking at the problem instead of looking at God and looking at his plan. And that's exactly exactly what the enemy wants to do in us. He wants us to get distracted from the life that God wants us to experience and from what God wants to do in us. But when we look at it from the right perspective, then we remember that God's plan is way bigger than we are. And that we get the privilege to play a bit, a small role in whatever he is that he is producing, in this story that he is producing. That we're not the main character, that he is. And again, that is a good thing. He loves us, he loved Elijah, he used Elijah, he protected Elijah, he was present in Elijah's life but his plan was bigger than Elijah. And the same is true for us. He loves us and he wants to protect us and he wants to provide for us and he wants to use us. But his plan is bigger than we are because he has a plan to save people and that's why he has us on this earth. And he revealed that to Elijah and we need to learn that today. Fearful situations also reminds us that God's plan is to save those who trust in him. He said to Elijah, hey, those two kings are gonna take care of business. All these evil people, they're gonna die because they're just too evil. And not just uh, the two kings, but even Elisha, the prophet, if they don't listen, then he's gonna take care of business too. And when you keep reading, you get to 2 Kings chapter 9 and 10, you'll see that it actually happened. But God said this, but there are 7,000 who still haven't bowed their knees to Baal, they still haven't kissed him, I want to save those. I want to save those who still trust me, even though they've been misled, even though they've been confused, even though there has been no rain, they're still trusting me and I'm going to save those. And that is still God's plan. God was using the circumstance to save those who truly trust in him. And God still works the same way. He has a plan to save humanity, to redeem humanity. And he wants to save those who trust in him. And believe me, believe me when I say this, he can even use your fearful circumstance to accomplish that plan. If you let him, he can use that for your good and he can use that for his glory. And we know that because he used the most fearful situation in the history of humanity. He used the death of his own son, Jesus Christ, to accomplish his plan. And we know this was a fearful situation even for Jesus himself, because the night before he died, he came to the garden of Gethsemane and he cried out to the Father and he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. In other words, if there is another way, please do it. Because he was scared, he was so scared that he was sweating blood, that's what the Bible teaches. It was a fearful situation. But he faced his fearful situation with faith. He didn't let fear control him. And we know that because he said, but not my will, your will be done. And see, God didn't take the circumstance away. He went through it. Jesus actually died on that cross. He was crucified, even though he lived a perfect life, he lied like a criminal, and they placed him on a tomb. But that was part of God's plan, because it is through the death of his perfect son, Jesus, that he was able to use that as a perfect sacrifice so that our sin could be atoned for. God's plan was way bigger than that circumstance. And we know that because on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, demonstrated that he has power, not just over sin, but also over death itself, and demonstrated that he has power over absolutely everything and showing us that we have something to look forward to, something greater than anything that we can face on this earth that we look forward to a place where there is no more bad news from a doctor, there is no more bad news from a boss, there is no more walking away from you, there is no more divorce, there is no more painful situation. There is only the presence of God where we will have absolutely everything that we need. That's what Jesus accomplished through that fearful situation. And if you have your faith in Christ, you can have that assurance. And if you have that assurance that you can be certain that whatever you're going through right now, God can use for your good and ultimately to accomplish his plan of redeeming people. Listen, I don't come to you as somebody who has it all figured out. I wish I did. I don't. I still go through painful situations and I still freak out, but I'm growing in it. And God has shown me in some of these processes that he's present. And if he's present, he's all I need and he can use those circumstances for my life. I remember when we were going through those chemotherapies with my daughter, I told you that I hated those Fridays. And one of the main reasons why I hated those Fridays is because every Friday, nurses will, after scans and blood work and seeing the doctor, nurses would pull out this big old needle that looked like a fishing hook, literally, and they would my daughter's skin right here on the chest where she had a port so that they could do the chemotherapy every stinking week. And every week, my job as dad was to physically hold my daughter down to a bed while she screamed, Papi, no, please, no, Papi, this hurts too much. Don't let them do this to me, Papi. Every week, I had to hold my daughter down so that they could pierce her right there on the chest every week, I would go home mad and frustrated and going, why do we have to go through this? To what Friday, by God's grace, as my daughter was screaming to me and saying, "Puppy, no, please don't let this happen to me. This hurts too much, Papi. I said to her, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit, not me, but I said to her, baby, I know this hurts, but this is only for a season. This is for your good this is gonna take all the yucky stuff away. And after all the yucky stuff is gone, then you're gonna be okay and you're going to be healthy just hanging there. It hurts, but it's only for a season. And as I was saying these words to my daughter, it's almost like the father was speaking to me at the same time and saying, I know this hurts, son, but it's only for a season. And it is for your good and I'm gonna use you for your good to make you who I need you to be and to make her who she needs to be and to make your wife who she needs to be. And believe me, ultimately, I'm going to use it for my glory. And that helped us change perspective. And all of a sudden, we began to look at the circumstance from a different angle. And God has used that circumstance. He used it in the moment and he continues to use it so that we can encourage other people in difficult journeys and so we can point people to the one true God. And I know, and I know that he has a plan for that little girl. And as painful as that that was, God is going to use that for his glory. See, two months ago, my wife and I were sitting at our dinner table and she began to ask all these questions. She had been asking questions all weekend. And then finally, at our dinner table, We heard our daughter with her own words, not repeating words after nobody, but with her own words declare, God has been good to me. He has brought healing to my life. And beyond that, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for me. I want to live for him. I want to follow Jesus. We know that this is just the beginning of what God is gonna do in and through her. See, we had to go through the painful journey so we could see it. I don't know what you're going through but I know we all face difficult situations. And I know when they do, fear kicks in. And fear says, God, why is this happening to me? Why are you letting this circumstance happen to me? But there is a better way to respond. You can respond with faith. And knowing that Christ conquered sin and conquered death, you can look at your circumstances and you can say, with faith, God, how are you going to use this to work in me and to work through me. But the only way you can face it that way is when you are certain that your eternity is secure in Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, I pray that today you surrender your life to Christ Jesus because he went through the most fearful situation so that you could have hope. If you want to do that, we wanna pray with you. If you're at any of our campuses, come to our Next Step Center and we will walk you through that. If you're watching online, let one of the pastors know, we will walk you through that as well but I know many of us have already believed the gospel. And even though we do, we still face fearful situations. Today, we have an opportunity to look at that situation from a different angle, believing that God can use it for our good and ultimately for his glory. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. We're thankful that you're a good God. In your grace, you let your son be pierced with nails in his hands and feet so that on that cross he would pay for our sins and so we could be your children and we could have eternity with you. We know that we look forward to something better than anything this earth has to offer. So we pray that you help us face whatever we face on this earth with faith in you and in your son Jesus. We pray this in his name, in Jesus Christ's name. Hey man.